And now on the Business Radio X Network, another exciting episode with Jamie Overturf in Connecting Tucson with Jamie. All right. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Connecting Tucson with Jamie Overturf, where we focus on connecting our community and local businesses. Today, we have four very special guests here at Stuart Title Studios. So we have a packed house. Woot, woot. I cannot wait for you to get to know them. So let's go ahead and get started. So first up, we have the amazing Natasha Johnson. Hello. She is the co-founder of Heals with Heart and an organization that helps instill confidence in young ladies who might find life a bit of a challenge. She, along with Pamela Knox, I think she just recently changed her name, who also so happens to be her mother, uh, our co-founder as well, are helping women find their path and perhaps their purpose in this world. So welcome, Natasha. Thank, Thank you for you. being on the show. Thank you. And next beside her, we have Dr. Casey Boizel. We'll move forward with Casey um, of Desert Physiatry. Did I say that correct? No, but that's okay. No oh. one does. <laughs> okay. How do I say it then? Physiatry. Physiatry. Okay. I'll remember that. So Dr. Boizel graduated with a degree in biology from the University of Colorado and originally started her career in sales, but found something was missing. So she went back to the school at the age of 30. Indeed, 30. Okay. Mm -hmm. And graduated from the Arizona College of Osteopathic Medicine, specializing in physiatry. Yes. Oh, I said it right that time. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Casey. Thank you I for appreciate having me. it. And beside her is the lone wolf among these talented women. We have Brian Lada. Hi, Brian. Hi. Brian is the owner of Chewy's Mesquite Broiler off of 22nd Avenue. He moved to Tucson in 1992 from Southern California to open up the first Chewy's with two other partners in 1992. Uh, with the rapid success of that first location, he quickly set down roots and blazed his own path to success. He currently resides in Tucson with his wife, Diane. Welcome, Brian, and thank Excellent. you so much. Thank you for having me. And last but certainly not least, we have the talented Caitlin Kramer. Caitlin is the 2018 National American Miss Arizona and founder of Project Happiness. She currently is a junior at the University of Arizona, but hails from Douglas, Arizona, correct? Yes, that's All correct. All right. So Caitlin started Project Happiness to help students identify needs in their local community and help them to develop plans to assist in fulfilling those needs. Welcome, Caitlin, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, wonderful. And if you don't mind, Natasha, I'm going to go ahead and dive in with you first. Is of that course, okay? Of course. <laughs> okay. Don't be nervous. I promise I'll be <laughs> gentle. Um, so Heels with Heart is a relatively new venture, but you seem to be making a significant impact right out of the gate. Tell us a little bit about this organization and what makes Heels with Heart so unique. Of course. Heels with Heart, my mom and I started a couple months ago, and we started it because I've been competing in pageants since I was 13 years old, and we'd always see the confidence that it brought with girls into the pageantry. Girls always compared it when I know when I was younger, they compared it to toddlers and tiaras always. So right. I always wanted to show girls the importance of pageantry and what it's how it's changed my life and how I've gained confidence, I've gained friends, and I want to bring that out for girls. And so my mom and I started this company, Heals with Hearts, and it's to, we have a pageant in December to help bring confidence for girls. Positive pageantry is a main purpose for this pageant, as well as we are going to start coaching girls with their anything that they want to do with being positive and knowing that they can get up on that stage and 
be beautiful on the outside and on the inside. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. So that is a unique concept. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming that Heels with Heart plays into that pageant theme. How, how did that come into play? So Heels with Heart, when we started deciding that we wanted to direct a pageant, we were just going to do it as ourselves. Well, that made us think more and more about, well, let's make a business out of it something I've been passionate about since I was younger. So my mom drew up all the paperwork and she said, is this something you really want to do? And I said, yeah, I want to, I want to encourage girls and I want to show them that this is important to me and I want them to go out and have fun. So speaking of your mom, um, I know that your mom used to run her own business and it was kind of a similar type theme. So do you think that has an advantage when it comes to being able to help these young women? I do. My mom, worked and owned a company for many, many years with intervention and prevention for juveniles and adults. And just, she was very empowered by all of that and really loved her job. And now she's retired, uh, sold her company. So it's something now that I didn't want to take over her company. So it's something that her and I both get to do, but we both love doing together. So it just seems like all of the pieces kind of fell into place where she already had the background and you had the desire to do something with maybe young women specifically. Correct. And with that background, you kind of meshed things together. Yeah. So how is it working with your mother? Oh, it's great. My mom (laughs) and I have a great relationship. It was, I moved to Denver about two years ago and lived in Denver for my job. And those two years were probably the hardest because I wasn't close to her. And even though she was a phone call away, it wasn't the same. And now that I'm back in Tempe, I can just drive down to Tucson whenever I want to. It's only an hour and a half and she can get annoyed with me, but I'm always going to be here now. And <laughs> now she's she doesn't annoy me. She's got to deal with me now. So, so I don't think she's ever going to think that that's an annoyance. <laughs> I know Pam pretty well. So um, just just kind of knowing her and her way of doing business. I can see that the apple has not fallen far from the tree. (laughs) You're very passionate about what you do and that does come through. So um, thank you so much. Thank you. Speaking of passion and dedication, our next guest, Dr. Boyce Casey, I'm sorry, Dr. (laughs) Boyce Ellerkin, I'm going to move Casey forward, moving forward. Um, You had to have some passion behind the decision to go to college at the age of 30 or go back because you had an established career prior to. Right. Um, So what made you make such a drastic change and how did you arrive to where you are now? Well, I think it was sort of a um, it was a weaving road, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I definitely when I was in my late 20s felt like uh, my job in sales, it, I just felt like I wanted to explore more, do something um, that resonated. Something was missing. Right, exactly. So uh, basically, I decided to go back to um, medical school, and I started doing some research, and I found osteopathy or osteopathic medicine, which I found was pretty much a great fit, a nice holistic uh, viewpoint, and I really liked the idea of looking at anatomy and various other things. And so I went back to school at eight, at the age of 30. And uh, yeah, I know. Right. I'm shaking, I'm, you can't see me. I'm hiding behind a microphone, but I'm shaking my head going, wow. Right, right. And then um, after that, I um, was lucky enough my last year in medical school to do some rotations in the specialty of 
physiatry, which is uh, often confused with psychiatry. And I've been uh, confused with a lot of different specialties, but it, it really is a phenomenal specialty. Rehabilitation medicine is uh, something that's uh, really was an incredible fit. And I feel fairly privileged to be able to um, help people uh, gain their mobility back and get back to their lives and doing the things that they like to do. So, so I'm not going to say, well, actually, I'm going to say it. I'm very intimidated because you went back to school and did all of this and here I am. But I, I, I'm, it's not going to stop me from asking, what exactly is physiatry? Okay, so physiatry is a medical specialty and uh, physiatrists are physicians who specialize in physical medicine and rehabilitation. And um, essentially what we do is we assess and treat various uh, diseases, including um or I shouldn't say including, but um, various diseases associated with the bones, the muscles, uh, ligaments and tendons, and the nervous system. And so there's a couple of different uh, types of medicine in physiatry. Uh, one is musculoskeletal medicine, which I'm focusing on, in on now. Uh, there's also inpatient rehabilitation medicine that tends to treat people who are a little sicker, uh, and that includes people with stroke, brain injury, uh, concussion, uh, spinal cord injury, and amputation. So you're, you're helping people when they're probably at their lowest at this point. Uh, yes, and uh, it actually is something that um, it has really become quite meaningful for me. And um, I, I do feel there's, there's something pretty fantastic about watching somebody regain their mobility and get back to um, doing, you know, at first simple things such as walking. Uh, but, you know, at this point in time, I'm focusing a little bit more on outpatient uh, medicine, which deals with musculoskeletal problems. But those can be just as frustrating for people. So I'm not as familiar with the medical world as I think you are, obviously, <laughs> or maybe people at the table. But it sounds more like you're not like the doctor down the street or but what I'm what I'm hearing is like a physical therapist. What's the difference? So, um, I, yes, I'm actually often confused with uh, physical therapist, and um, there is a there is a strong connection. I work hand in hand with a lot of the physical therapists here in Tucson. Um, I like to keep that relationship open. Essentially, um, I make recommendations for therapy. I assess people with musculoskeletal problems like back pain, neck pain, hip pain, knee pain, uh, and then basically make recommendations about either diagnostic imaging or, um, uh, or, uh, sorry, lost my child, no, <laughs> diagnostic no, no, no. imaging so, yeah, diagnostic or therapies therapy. or, uh -huh. yeah. And so, um, I do work with physical therapists, but I'm not actually a physical therapist. Okay. Well that definitely, you know, kind of clarified it there for me and I'm a little less intimidated, but definitely <laughs> awestruck. I have to say, um, it sounds like you were you're supposed to be. You weren't for sales, and now you moved into mm -hmm. something that I guess was your calling. Right. So right. somebody else that I think who seems to be holding his own right now in this table full of women who had a calling <laughs> and knew his path well before I think he understood it. Um, Brian, it's safe to say you always knew where you kind of wanted to be, and you never really deviated from said path that sound correct? Well, um, you know, I, I've always had a, a direction that I've been guided into and I've always been kind of working in the same field and doing things as far as business-wise. And then along my trip and my journey in business has really helped me to explore some of the other things that I do and uh, to be able to, you know, continue 
uh, down and, and, and help people as well as, as uh, you know, do what I've always done. And that's in the hospitality industry. So obviously uh, with Chewy's being in the restaurant business, I've been doing that for the better part of three decades. So hey, how, how did you get started? <clears throat> I mean, three decades of hospitality and service, that, that sounds to me like you found out what you needed to do and where you needed to be. Well, you know, uh, a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, initially uh, having work or a job. You know, in, in, you know, everything sometimes starts with a job and then you find out what you really love and what your passion is. And then mm-hmm. and then it's no longer, you know, just over broke. It's just it's something that you really enjoy doing. Um, so when I when I started out in the industry, it was because I was working my way through college. And so obviously a very um, uh, accommodating uh, um, work field for me to be into would be in the restaurant business, either whether it be, you know, cooking or, or uh, waiting tables or what have you, while I was also doing my studies. And uh, then, um, as fate would have it, when I was uh, down attending at the University of Houston, a uh, company that I was working for was aggressively looking for management. And uh, at that time, uh, I had thought that I wanted to get back to the West Coast. Uh, I was in Houston, Texas. And um, had uh, gone through high school and, and grown up uh, uh, some of my later schooling years in uh, California, and they were transferring back there, and so I just went ahead and, and took the jump, and and uh, went and transferred and uh, started out in Huntington Beach, California, which isn't a terrible place to start your first job. Why is um, that? I'm sorry, well, I'm going to have to ask. Why is that? Uh, well, you know, Huntington. <laughs> I think you're pulling you my the- leg. I think yes. You know, now you're making me uncomfortable. You know, I'm, sorry, I'm already sitting here with a bunch of talented, beautiful, wonderful ladies. <laughs> That are very skilled, and now you're going to put me on the spot. But no, course, Huntington Beach I mean. obviously is a <laughs> is obviously a beautiful, you know, uh, place. Uh, and so, you know, that's where I kind of that's where I started. And okay. then I always enjoyed working, you know, with people and people like, oh, you got people skills, blah blah blah. But um, it's just it's it's great because it's all part of service. Well, I yeah. want to say blah blah blah, Brian. You are very people oriented. I've known you for a while, and you are all about trying to make people very comfortable in their environment and helping them wherever they they need to go. But I think some of our listeners, maybe they haven't visited Chewy's Mesquite Grill Broiler, right? Mesquite Broiler, correct. Okay, perfect. I'm just going to say Chewy's because that's easier to roll off the tongue. <laughs> okay. um, but tell us a little bit about that specific concept and what makes that unique. Well, um, you know, Chewy's is, is a very fun, relaxed, it's very eclectic. You know, so when we opened our first location here back in 92, uh, we were received fairly well. And then as more people, I think, gosh, I can look back to a article that came out in the uh, Arizona Daily Star. And that was back when people were really reading newspapers. And so, you know, things have I changed. I still read a newspaper. So. <laughs> well, what's a newspaper? Uh, but um, uh, we had an article that came out and a person, uh, one of the, their writers wrote a very nice article about us saying that we were an eclectic mix and that, you know, you could see your 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 bikers next to your lawyers, next to your business people and you know, your blue collar workers. And so it's a very welcoming experience. And, and it just um, um, our food is very good. Uh, but a lot of it is really the atmosphere that we provide. I have to agree with that. I have um, I truly love going there. I feel like it's a place you can go and hang out with friends. You have some great food. You can feel comfortable being yourself. You don't have to be dressed up in a fancy black tie affair. Not to mention your staff is always amazing. They recognize me by name. I don't know if that's because I go there so much or it's just because they have that type of personality. But how do you do it? How do you get people coming back? How do you get people to say, this is where I want to go? Well, it really is the the people I have. I am very blessed to find employees or to have employees that are, are very welcoming. And that's what it is. It's the hospitality industry. So 
we need to try to always instill in our staff that, you know, the people out there, they have lots of choices. You know, they have a lot of places that they can go to in order to, uh, you know, make themselves happy. You know, they're, they're making a choice. They're going out. If they want to just go home and fix their own meal or make their own drink, they could do that. But they have chosen to go out someplace. And so out of all the places, you know, they want to come to a place where they feel welcomed. So you can get good food and good drink everywhere, but do you get good people? And the people really make, you know, that's the nuts and bolts of it. The one, the people who can come out there and, and exactly. make you feel welcome and happy and appreciated. And like you said, calling you by name. I mean, a person's name is the sweetest sound. I still don't know how they do that. But I know from experience that um, running a successful restaurant is not just a nine to five day job. Um, you get called out all hours of the days and night. How do you find time to balance your work and life? Um you know, there's you, no balance there, is what you're there, telling me. Not, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm involved in, in, a, in a number of things outside of it. But, you know, here again, it goes back to staffing. You know, I, I, you'd be surprised that once you, you know, get your people trained and you get people that you can trust and that, you know, are, are, are able to do their jobs and just, you know, fit in with one another. Once they're working well together, then those calls out aren't quite as, as frequent. Obviously, you're going to have the instance where the, the cooler breaks down or, or something of that nature. But you start training your people. You train them up to be able to be responsible and do their own jobs. And once they do that, then I've empowered them. And therefore, it doesn't always re rely on micromanagement on my end. And, and I personally feel that that is the best way to do that is empowering your staff and making them feel like they can make those decisions. And it just makes your life easier and maybe be able to take Diane out for a nice meal on the the town is absolutely that right? sure diane i put in a plug for you so <laughs> speaking of empowerment that brings me to my next guest sitting right next to brian caitlin how are you i'm good how are you i'm great thank you so just by meeting you i can feel that your dedication and the passion to the community here is just so inspirational tell us about project happiness and how that came about sure so project happiness is an organization that i started and pretty much what I wanted to do is I saw, you know, all these different organizations that do such great things in their community. And I decided, you know, I want to do something like that. And so how it came to be is I'm actually a student here at the University of Arizona. And I took a class and we were taught it was called schooling and diversity and how different aspects of a student's life affects their schooling. And so something that I found interesting was, you know, not a lot of students have the resources or have the money to buy back to school um, supplies. And so for me, I know I've always loved school. And so back to school shopping was something that I was always excited about. And I found that, you know, if students don't have the resources or have the tools that they're going to need at the beginning of the school year, they're already behind the rest of their peers. So the school year hasn't even started, but they're already put at a disadvantage, so true. So true. which is really not that fair. So I figured there's something that I can do about it. And so in my hometown of Douglas, Arizona, it is pretty much low income. And so I said, why not start here? And so what I did is I simply just reached out to community members, uh, mostly in the Douglas and Tucson area and said, you know, I'm having this school drive. If anybody wants to donate school supplies, backpacks, whatever, maybe whatever you can donate, um, I'll take it. And I wanted to distribute it, distribute it. And so that started last year, and I raised about um, a thousand school supplies, which is pretty good for the first try. Congratulations, that is wonderful. Thank you. And so I just wanted to continue it, and I said, okay, now that people kind of know about it, like let's try this again for a second year. And so for this year, I did the same thing, promoting it, and I got um, 
I received supplies from Douglas, Tucson. I even set up a GoFundMe so people from out of state donated. Um, and so this year I went back to Douglas and I donated 2,802 school supplies. And so they all so the you school- doubled it. Yes. Okay. Yes. And wow. so all the school wow. supplies went to all five elementary schools in my hometown and including the elementary school that I went to. So that is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. But I have to ask, with so much already on your plate, a full-time student, volunteering, being 2018's National American Miss Arizona, what made you decide to actually just start up Project Happiness versus working hand-in-hand with something that was already established? The biggest reason why I started it was because I saw that there was a need in my community and that there was something that I could do about it. And I didn't want to, you know, it's great to volunteer with other organizations, which is something that I do on a daily basis because I think it's important to do that. But when I saw something and I saw that there was a need in my own community and I saw that students that came from where I came from were suffering and there was something that I could do about it, I wanted to kind of enact that. And so with Project Happiness, I'm actually getting ready um, into the new school year when we come back from winter break. I'm actually going to be going to the elementary schools and high schools and talking to the students about Uh, community service because the mission of Project Happiness is um, to promote happiness through student leadership, community service and volunteerism. And I think for a lot of students, um, you know, like for me, I was in student government throughout high school. And so we got to always hear um, from these great motivational speakers and they always did something grand um, on how they changed their community. So I think kids kind of had this idea like, okay, if I want to change the world or community, I have to do something, you know, really big. But I want them to learn to identify need in their community and kind of give them the tools in order to do something about it. And so um, I'm going to be speaking to some schools, um, doing some kind of motivational speaking, which is something that I'm passionate about and helping students, you know, to engage in local volunteerism. So what I'm hearing is you're a workaholic. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <True>. So <laughs> welcome to the world of business ownership. Um, all kidding aside, I can tell this is something that you're truly passionate about. Um, So what are some projects other than what you've decided that you've just done, um, that you've done or that you're going to partner with in the future? And what is so unique about what you're doing? So um, some of the things that I'm working on is... um, I have been involved with pageantry since 2005. So there's so a connection that yeah. we just met. Hi, Natasha. Hi. <laughs> so, and actually, the funny thing is, is that um, with this pageant system, Natasha was my predecessor. So she crowned me. So she held this title the I year did. before. Yep. I crowned yes. her in July. Aww. Yeah. So, um, and before... Where's the th- crown, by the way? I just wanted to know. Do you like not... I had, I, I'm like, sorry I interrupted you, but I was just like, usually I'm used to that. So. Yeah, I, it's it's a way. But. It's a way. Okay. <laughs> Next keeping time. keeping it nice and sparkly for nationals in two weeks. Okay. Yes, Next but, time. Next time. But yeah, so um, I just, you know, was really passionate and I've seen that pageantry has done a lot for me. And so something that I started that's also kind of through Project Happiness is I started a pageant in my hometown called the Miss Douglas Stace Pageant. And so with that, girls in Douglas are able to have the full-on pageant experience. And we actually have two title holders right now, Miss um, Douglas Stays and Miss Douglas Stays Teen. And they and the Douglas community go out and do community service and volunteer work. So they were setting up um, kind of like a cleanup Douglas Stays where you could go and 
go around with them and clean up um, the town. And they've participated in the Douglas Care Fair, which um, they were able to give bike helmets to students in the summer and just all kinds of different things. And so it's just I really, really want to promote community service um, because it it's fun. I, I think it's fun. You get to meet so many different people and all while you're truly making a difference, which is great. I see a lot of sleepless nights in your future um, because of the workaholic that's coming out of you. But um, I think when you find something you love, a little sleep deprivation, that's nothing to really, you know, worry over. Right? Yeah. But I'm looking at the doctor when I say that. <laughs> yeah, I've had, a, I've had some sleepless nights for sure. Okay. Well, somebody else that I think might have some sleepless nights might be Natasha over here since, you know, there's signed, there's, there seems to be a connection between you two. If I'm, I'm there, but um, what would you say that's your biggest challenge keeping you up at night right now? Well, I, in general, don't get a lot of sleep because I'm a flight attendant. So my oh. schedule is all over the place. <laughs> so when I'm home, it's working with the veterans is my main priority right now is volunteering with the veterans. So I will go out and help out my community. I've also been, Caitlin and I did this last year where we would put together blessing bags and we would go out and hand them out in the community to the homeless, which just seeing the smiles on their faces when you just do one small little thing for them is just amazing. So when, whenever I'm not working, it makes you want to do more. I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, sleepless nights, sleep deprivation, yeah. it's all kind of tying in. Um, now I heard you mention that there's a, a pageant coming up in December. Tell us a little bit about that pageant and um, what you see in it. What's your vision? Of course. So my pageant is a city pageant. It's USA National Miss Phoenix. So it's going to be the city pageant for the Arizona State Pageant in February, which will be held also in Phoenix, Arizona. It started last year. They had their first Arizona pageant, and we are looking for girls between the ages of 4 and 24 to come out and compete at a very beautiful location at Tempe Mission Palms. Mm. And it's it's going to be amazing. You get to wear your best dress and your formal wear. You get to interview with the judges. You get to do an opening number dance. And I'm really excited to actually be on the other side, not competing, but actually directing. So you get to sit back and maybe be like, hmm, maybe I should have, she just should have done that differently <laughs> or I would have done this differently. You're kind of critiquing a little maybe? Maybe, but more about <laughs> empowering the girls. Yeah. Okay, so I've heard you talk before that this is kind of um, a unique type pageant. What's so unique about it? So the pageant is their national system is promotes um, positive pageantry because they don't want to be like the toddlers and tiaras that I was saying earlier. They want girls, they can walk out with $30,000 scholarships and cash prizes and they their sponsors are amazing, but they go out and do so much in the community that you'll see them posting on social media where they go out and they help fill boxes for the people from Hurricane Relief. And we did uh, Operation Christmas Child. So it's really important for them and for other people to know that pageantry isn't just about being pretty. And So what I'm hearing is it's you really have an emphasis on focusing on the inside and community service and really empowering these women to 
feel their best right. and kind of recognize what they can do. Um, what are you doing anything specifically to help them do that? Or do you guide them? Or is there anything with um, Hearts and Heels that does that? We will start once we have our pageant and we get our title holders, it'll be starting to volunteer out in the community leading up to state and from state they're on for their whole year it will be volunteering but we're also going to help these girls prepare for the state competition with their dresses and their interview and just preparing them but we have so you work one-on-one with each Mm -hmm. of them yes okay yeah that's the plan once we have our, our title holders is to go out and help them but we're we have already started setting up um volunteer opportunities for these girls with different places and we're still looking for sponsors and for gr- these places that girls can go to and volunteer. So when you say at. you're looking for sponsors are you looking for maybe organizations that maybe these girls can go and help and volunteer their time or what kind of sponsors are you looking for? So we're looking for both kind of sponsors. We're looking for sponsors to help out with the pageant so we can put a get put together an amazing prize package for these girls but we're also looking for sponsors where we can put in our program book about our sponsors and then go out and help them with whatever they need if they need. If it's a soup kitchen or if they need us to serve meals, we'll go out and serve meals. It's anything they need us to do, we'll help them out. So if any sponsors out there or maybe some organizations need some volunteers, they can reach out to uh, your organization, um, Heels and Hearts or Hearts. Heels with hearts. Heels with hearts. I had it right. Sorry. I apologize. Heels with hearts and seeing if we can't uh, get that to happen because that could be kind of amazing. Yeah. But right now I'm wondering if Brian, would you ever put on a pageant dress? Um, it depends. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't think that it would raise much money, but if it did something to, or to help the veterans and to help uh, other people in our in our communities, I think I could probably get tucked into one. There you go. It had to be a triple large. <laughs> <laughs> you are no. Come on now. So, um, you know what I'm really seeing is I, I'm sure you're going to have some bumps along the way and you're going to have some some growing and learning experience but I think that the potential and the fulfillment that you get from it's going to be worth it so keep doing that and I'm really looking forward to seeing this pageant in December and learning all about it um and it kind of really ties me into I think Casey your line of work you not work just with the outside appearances but the inside appearances you know like trying to work inside and outside the whole body holistically like they're trying to help them empower themselves, not really focus on the physical appearance. I kind of see some mirror images. Right, right. I mean, so, definitely it's uh, you have to take the, the whole person into consideration when you're trying to recover from uh, any illness or injury. And so absolutely, inside and outside. I think both are as equally important. But I'm sure you see many different types of patients in your line of work. Mm-hmm. What products and services do you offer? So um, we treat a variety of musculoskeletal problems, including anything from back pain, neck pain, knee problems, tennis elbow. Oh, he's raising yeah, his he's, hand yeah, right. here. You, you don't have to read. They can't see you on the radio raising your oh, hand, yeah. so you have to speak up, Brian. Brian's raising his hand. I was trying to be quiet about it. Okay. I'm not quiet. We'll, we'll talk after Brian. <laughs> so, um, but, but really quite a, a wide variety of things. Um, and also we... Uh, do a comprehensive management of uh, more traditional rehabilitation diagnoses like um, I talked about earlier, stroke and brain injury uh, and spinal cord injury and amputation. 
Uh, we also do some basic uh, postural education, body mechanics, um, anything to postural help. education. Oh yes, I'm sorry, you I need to. <laughs> I, am I? Am I? Is my posture not you, right? You know, you would be amazed at the things that can help out with uh, with those little aches and pains, and so um, and also trigger point injections and uh, something called prolotherapy and uh, regenerative medicine. So you have a whole gamut. Uh, yes, we have a pretty wide variety of things to, to help restore mobility and, and uh, get people moving. It's, moving is important. It's very obvious you love what you're doing. But I what's, really do. What's the best part about what you do? What What is the best? Oh, what boy. makes you like sing when you go out of the office like this is what made my day today you know i uh, so i try not to get into the whole ego of making sure that somebody gets better and that makes me feel good about myself but um i think that the thing that really lights me up is when i see somebody um get better and they're able to go back to doing what they like and they're able to um because really when when you have a chronic illness or injury or you're in pain all the time it affects your life in so many different ways. It and, so and does. Yeah, and to sort of um, watch people be able to find ways to lift that burden and get involved in the tr- in their own treatment process. And that's really important, I think, is, is really, you know, having a collaborative relationship with patients is huge. And I love that part of my job. So I want you to be my new doctor. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, so... I have to admit, I did some research when bringing you on the show, and I did not know the difference between a DO and an MD, and I don't know if many of my listeners do as well, but can you explain? You're, you're a DO, correct? I am a DO. So mm-hmm. what is the difference between the two? So um, DOs, uh, DO stands for Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine, and um, DOs are fully licensed physicians. They're able to order diagnostic studies and prescribe medications and do procedures and surgeries. Um, what sort of differentiates osteopaths is that we get education in osteopathic philosophy, and also um, we tend to focus more on the musculoskeletal assessment, and we are trained in um, hands-on uh, techniques in order to facilitate, uh, you know, release of restrictions in the musculoskeletal system that might be contributing to chronic issues and, and disease. So you have more training than an MD? Well, I, you know, no, I, I, I wouldn't say, I would say different. No, different it's just, training, Yeah, yes. it's more just a, a little bit different of, a, um, of an emphasis, and it's a really nice overlap with physiatry in that, you know, they focus on musculoskeletal medicine, and then I had that extra, um, you know, training as an osteopath. So, you know, it really helps when you're able to get your hands on, on the patient and figure out what's going on in terms of the structure. Um, and I think that the osteopathic training really, you know, got me used to figuring out, you know, let's let's feel the neck, let's uh, see what's going on with the back, let's, you know, see this range of motion of this joint, where's it getting hung up? So and, you can like place your hands on let's anybody and be like, oh, this is kind of probably hurting you. Are you kind of is it a feel well, base or how does that work? It's actually it's just part of a plain old physical exam where you know you go through and you do a neurologic exam and you test range of motion and you know you you feel for trigger points and tender tender. Uh, places on uh, the musculoskeletal system. And, uh, you know, you also get a really good history and find out, you know, 
first of all, where's it hurt? When did it start? Was it an accident? And then the other part of that is, what do you do for a living? Do you spend hours at the computer? Do you... Um, that and, makes and, a difference, I hear. Right. And what do you do for fun? Do you play a musical instrument? Do you play tennis? Do you play golf? And so all of that sort of plays into the detective work. And um, again, that's another part of it that I love is the detective work. Well, I can definitely say that I am going to be rethinking <laughs> how I view my doctor. Um, but I'm sure because I didn't know a lot about DOs and MDs. Do you, uh -huh. um, what would you say is your biggest challenge or the misconception about your profession? Well, you know, I, I really think that the biggest challenge is that nobody knows what physiatry is. <laughs> or I can't what a pronounce it, is. apparently. So, physiatry. Right. Physiatry. Right. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, but yeah, most people are not familiar with that profession. And um, they're also sort of unaware of what um, physiatrists are able to do for people. And I think a lot of people... Um, you know, who have musculoskeletal problems like chronic back pain and neck pain, um, they're not aware that there are a lot of non-surgical options that you can uh, pursue to address those. So it's not like, you know, you go from your primary care physician all the way to the surgeon, that there's some middle ground in, in a lot of cases. And, and that's kind of where you come in? Right. Is that middle right. ground prior to surgery? Right, right. Okay. So I have to say that I, I have learned just so much right now just from asking these questions, and I hope all of my listeners and everyone here has as well. And knowing some of the challenges that you've been through, I know that this gentleman sitting next to you has also had several challenges. And are you looking at her saying maybe next time we can... No, there's not going to be a next time. I think we're going to spend about a week together. Here <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great and educational. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, but I think that I need to explore a lot more because I've um, I've lived a full life. Let's just put it that way. I, I, I would agree. Um, but we're going to go on a different topic, on a okay. different segue. Um, there are different types of challenges that everybody um, do come across. I've seen specifically restaurants in Tucson come and go at the blink of an eye. But Chewy's has stayed the course and stayed for the long run. Why do you think um, Chewy's has had such a success here in Tucson? Tucson's a great community, for one. I mean, we've been accepted, uh, you know, from, from day one, like I said, back in 1992 when we brought the first um, uh, Chewy's here to town. I mean, this is a, a, a small, big town. You know, so if you treat the people right and if you give back to the community, if you're doing the right things, not just in your business wise, your social wise and just, uh, you know, all, all the different pieces that come together, the word of mouth gets around. And, and you know, that's the best marketing still in this town is, is getting building a reputation. I and once you start building that reputation and it gets around, I mean, uh, granted, we have grown quite a bit in the 25 years since I put up the first Chewies out here, 26 years now. Uh, but um, that's a it, very it, long time. Yes, it is. Uh, quit, quit dating me. <laughs> but, I'm doing math in my head. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. You'll never get there. Trust me. I'm so much. I, I tell people I'm 75 and they tell me how great I look. That's because <laughs> I, Instead of lying that I'm younger, I tell them. I older, know you're so. not 75, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can't hide anything from the insurance lady. Can I you? know. I know. Oh, come on. <laughs> but you know that—that's the main thing. Is that you know you, you know once you you build a reputation and you, you but you got to keep it because it's it's much easier to establish a reputation than it is to get one back. And so, so I've had a few true. challenges in that area just simply because of other uh, things have gone on with uh, not just the industry but also with partners and things of that nature. 
But you just, uh, you know, I think we've done a very good job of, of uh, you know, staying the course and and keeping ourselves true to what we've always been. I 100% agree. I find that Tucson embraces those that are willing to help build and embrace our community upwards um, and actually are active in that community. And I happen to know that you are very active in our Tucson community personally. So what are some of the community organizations and events that you do to help support Tucson and, and everyone here. Well, uh, primarily now I, I'm I've you know I've done a lot of different things throughout the the, the years, but I focus primarily on helping um, veterans. So I want to thank you very much, Natasha, for <laughs> for the work that you do uh, uh, for the brothers and sisters out there that definitely deserve it and have earned it. Uh, so I've got a a great uh, end with that. I'm a, a member of our uh, local chapter of our Combat Vets Motorcycle Association, uh, which is a group of of combat vets uh, from all uh, uh, branches of the military and they have a passion for riding and enjoy riding motorcycles. But the other passion is giving back to our less fortunate brothers and sisters, uh, on a national scale. Uh, the, uh, uh, cause combat vets motorcycle association is a national organization throughout not only all 50 States, but also overseas down under, uh, we have branches, people who, who serve everywhere, uh, with the, uh, armed forces that, uh, are members. So we have chapters everywhere or affiliations everywhere. Uh, so we uh, give nationally to the Fisher House, which for those people who aren't familiar with the Fisher House, we have the um, uh, first one in the state of Arizona right here in Tucson. Right here in Tucson, right uh, next to the VA. Exactly, exactly. And we do have actually a very good VA here in, in Tucson. It's one of the best ones in the nation. So we get a lot of veterans from all over that come and get uh, their treatments here at the VA here in Tucson. And what the Fisher House is, it's kind of like the Ronald McDonald's House for vets. So if they have a long-term treatment or, or stay, they're able to be housed there and, and kept there at a very beautiful facility. I've, we've had the opportunity to tour the facility, and it's it's like one of your it's better resorts out the there. Art. I mean, it's, it's like you're great, staying in a five-star resort almost. Exactly, exactly. So uh, they Which do great they work deserve. There. But primarily what our local chapters do is we try to keep our funds here in, in Tucson. So we help our local southern Arizona veterans uh, through uh, outreach programs like Triple like E which is Esperanza and Escalante, uh, which is right there off of Wilmot and, and, and Escalante. And it's a transitional housing for our, um, our veterans that are needing a hand up or some time. And they'll, they'll house them for up to two years uh, and, and keep them uh, there. And, and we help to uh, stock their food locker. So uh, that's uh, what we do here locally. We have some local events that we do in order to raise funds and raise money. I have a bite night every third Thursday of the I was month. I just about to ask, don't you do something at your at yes, Chewy's? Yes, we have, well, we have a, a drop-off box for, for people that want to donate a non-perishable food item and receive 10% off of their uh, their food bill by doing that. And so that's one way that we raise money or raise uh, items for the food locker. And then we also have, uh, like I said, we have our bike night that I do on the third Thursday of every month. Uh, we're doing the last one this November uh, 15th for the season because we take a break for the holiday season because everybody has so much going on during the holiday season. Is that, that called Thanksgiving or Yeah, something? Thanksgiving <laughs> and Christmas and New okay. Year's. Uh, but we'll be back again uh, depending on the weather somewhere in, in February or March. So how did you get um, started with the, I'm just going to say the acronym CVMA? Uh, well, uh, it, it came actually through uh, a gentleman who was a member, and uh, I was doing um, uh, other work, and somehow our paths managed to cross. I was doing work with uh, the veterans of foreign war. I was a member out there at uh, VFW uh, number 549, and uh, so he knew me through that. Uh, we met at a Tucson vet serving vets function. Uh, then he just came to see me. He walked in the door and, and asked if I could help them 
with doing some fundraising for combat vets. And so it kind of took off from there. Uh, Snowballed, actually. Yes, it it did snowball, yeah. uh, So we we started with the bike nights, and so that was was great. And then once I started riding again, they just kind of yanked me in and said, uh, you know, you're— you're going to be one of our brothers, and and so I started uh, doing things, you know, on a on regular basis with right. them. And of course, we had the golf tournament. I was just up. about to say. So, isn't there something coming up here in a few weeks for the CVMA? Yes, uh, November 18th, which is a Sunday, is a golf tournament that we'll be doing out at the Green Valley Country Club, and it's one of our. Uh, well, it's kind of becoming an annual fundraiser. Uh, we had a great time doing it for the first year last year, uh, and uh, raised some great funds for our veterans uh, this year. We're looking to surpass that and, and do I even better. I believe you already have. Uh, yes, we have. Uh, but, you know, I don't like to put that out there. I want to keep that <laughs> no. hunger, you know, for people <laughs> to help. There's still always come. a need to help vets and um, our local community. So, yes. So yeah. keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, absolutely. So we have we have that function that's coming up on the on the um, 18th. We need golfers. So, you know, if you want to so come. So, Natasha, and- do you golf? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can try. <laughs> can, can you hike around a beautiful green course? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can do Wait, anything. You guys but have golf. an air cannon out there too, don't you? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's a, that, that's yes. our fun. They're having um. There's a hole with a an air cannon where you get to put the golf ball in the air cannon and launch it towards the green, right? Absolutely. And I was hoping to see if there's a way I could just smuggle that to every hold for myself. I, um, <laughs> I think you may have to fight the firefighters on yeah. that one. But anyways, I do thank you so much for all that you're doing to help out our local veterans and here in the community. And I can see why Chewy's has just been grounded and keeping doing what they're doing. And I don't think they're going away. Um, and speaking of being grounded... Hi, Caitlin. Hi. <laughs> you're so quiet over there. I sometimes forget you're here, but don't worry. I didn't forget. So um, I I know that there's – actually, I'm just going to go right and ask out and ask it. Okay. So what does success for Project Happiness look like for you? What, what would you deem a success for Project Happiness? Um, a success for Project Happiness would definitely be um, expanding – So um, just seeing how many students I have been able to help, my next goal, because I always set a goal every year. And so last year, the first year, successful businesses have goals. So what are some of those goals then? So, you know, my first year doing it, I was just like, I just want to be able to have something to donate. You know, it's my first year. And so we got, you know, a thousand school supplies. And then I was like, I want to double that. So we got 2,800. And so now... My goal is now that people know about it and now that people have been donating and have, you know, been giving their time, I want to donate in Douglas. I also want to donate in Tucson um, because through the University of Arizona, I actually participated in a program um, called Project SOAR. And what it was is we got to mentor students um, from various schools. And so I kind of got to see how they also kind of have similar needs to us where, you know, their students need supplies as well. So my um, biggest goal this next um, summer when I'm collecting supplies is to donate to schools up here in Tucson as well. And um, because of where Douglas is, some people may or may not know where that is. It's very close to the border. Um, it's right next to Nogales, right? Awaprieta. But yeah, like okay, Nogales so is to the side. Of to it. the side. Of yeah, it. Okay. exactly. And I'm so, pretty familiar. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm not a Tucson native, but I kind of have driven the state everywhere. So. There you go. <laughs> Um, and I also want to donate some supplies in Mexico as well, because we are so close. And I mean, we're so close, like 
me and my friends would walk to Mexico to go get a snack after high like school. So we're very close. And I think just universally, there's a need and why not help people if you can. And um, so, you know, obviously I want to branch out Project Happiness. I want to start up here in Tucson, but um, eventually maybe even take it internationally as well. So you say you're looking for some supplies. What mm-hmm. specifically are you looking for? So one of the biggest things that we need are backpacks. Um, that's a need that is probably one of our biggest needs. And then it just kind of ranges from anything that you would buy if you're going back to school. So pencils, notebooks, folders, anything that you'd use for school, really. Um, and right now, you know, a lot of the supplies have been going to elementary schools. If we can get more supplies that you would probably use in high school, such as, you know, calculators, um, you know, things of that nature, uh, we'll be able to donate to high schools as well. So, you know, just anything that you would use uh, for back to school. And I also got a bunch of people to donate um, reading books as well. So this past year, that was something that was new that a lot of people were donating. And I said, yeah, I'll take it. And so the um, reading books went to the Douglas Public Library. And so we donated probably about 100 books to the public library, which they were really grateful for. So I was happy that we were able to help them out as well. That is wonderful. So you mentioned goals on expanding, but do you have a goal on what you would like to achieve to donate supplies this year? This year, we're going to go for 3,000, maybe even more than that, um, worth of supplies. And then also a ton of reading books as well, because that was, you know, a need that kind of came up. Um, It wasn't initially what we were um, asking for supplies for, but I saw how you know, reading books are super important as well. So we want to collect reading books and probably more backpacks this year. So I know we talked a lot about elementary and potentially middle school. Um, Do you see the need in high schools as well? Yeah, I think we do. Um, Schooling in general, it is expensive, you know, just no matter what year you're going to. I mean, I'm a college student, so... I definitely textbooks can be oh yes and I'm so grateful so are you gonna start something with college (laughs) yeah I mean it just kind of yeah anything can happen and so I'm not limiting limiting what project happiness can be it can expand and it'll grow and I know it will Um, and so many people have wanted to help and um, students have been wanting to help and just people have really you know kind of supported me and this organization and I'm I'm grateful for that And it can definitely grow into even helping college students, maybe even. So that sounds phenomenal. And I know that is a very, very big challenge and a tall task that you are undertaking. Um, But I somehow think you're up for the challenge knowing (laughs) who you are. So um, how what are some of the challenges that you're now facing with Project Happiness? What are what is your biggest challenge? I think, first of all, the biggest challenge is uh, people don't really know quite what it is at first and I don't know if sometimes they're like oh I don't I don't quite understand what this is for but when I do explain it and something that I started to is I made an actual website uh, for Project Happiness kind of explaining you know what it is how people can contribute and so it's just really getting the word out there um, but slowly but surely it's been spreading and people are more eager to um, participate and help out. So Earlier, you mentioned, um, I guess, going up and doing some public speaking and motivational speaking. Yes. Um, that scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I get to hide behind this lovely mic and the radio, so I don't have to. What bring? What brought that about? Why do you want to go out and mentor and do those those types of speaking events? 
That yeah. scares me to no end. Yeah, so um, public speaking has been a really big passion of mine ever since I was little, and I owe a lot of that to pageantry. So, like I said, I started the National American Miss Organization in 2005, and, you know, at six, seven years old, I could get up and do a speech in front of people. I don't know. I've never been nervous. Wait, at six? Yeah, like six, seven. I was actually the keynote speaker at um, a domestic violence candlelight vigil. What? So, you okay, at that you, age. At, at age six, you yes. were doing a domestic violence yes. candle. Yeah. What was I? I think I was playing with Legos. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I had Legos or Barbies or something at that age. I'm not 100. Okay. Yeah. Kudos. <laughs> Thank Congratulations. You. So has that been a call? Like you've known you've always wanted to do that? Yeah. I've just always known that I, you know, I've loved helping people. I've loved, I'm very passionate about social issues and causes. And, and that's always been something that I've been passionate about since I was um, tiny. And um, I even, um, you know, the whole volunteering aspect started for me when I was six and seven, because we have a local domestic violence shelter in Douglas called the House of Hope. And so that's been my pageant platform. And so it's ending domestic violence through community awareness. And so I would great program. by yes. the Yes. And so I would volunteer at the local shelter and I would, you know, um, do crafts with the kids there and I would um, donate things. And something that really kind of hit home for me is my mom said, you know, this is a safe space for people. So if you see somebody, you know, you know, just you can't really see anything, you know. So when I was young, I was like, oh, OK. And I think what made me want to stick with that organization and um, is when I saw one of my classmates and his mother was living there. And it kind of hit and I was like, wow, like this, this does happen. And people get in these t tough situations and someone, you know, my mom talked to me and she's like, you can't say anything at school. And I, I understood. And um, when I went to school, the kid was like, oh, Caitlin went to my house the other day and kids kind of always wondered where he lived. He didn't really talk about his home life. And so they were like, oh, like, where does he live? And I was like, oh, I don't know. My mom was talking to his mom and I just not at his house. So you yeah. can think on your feet yeah, quite quickly. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a good, so. that's a good thing to have for public speaking. Just yes. thought I'd let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so, you, you sat me next to somebody who just crushed the number one fear of most people. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. Brian, are you intimidated? <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm not intimidated, but I am in awe. I do appreciate <laughs> I'm in awe, I, too. You know, and I'm <laughs> so, hope for the future, too. I, I know. So how can people contact Project Happiness and donate to you or maybe get you as a motivational speaker? Yeah, of course. I would love to do some motivation speaking that's kind of what I want to jump right into okay so in order to contact Project Happiness is we have um, a website so it's www.projecthappiness.com all right just kidding www.projecthappinessarizona.weebly.com and you can also contact me on my social media so like if you have Instagram it's Caitlin Kramer and it's Caitlin with the don't C. get all <laughs> don't get all soft come on now yeah, so it's Caitlin Kramer and it's Caitlin with the C and Kramer with the K and for those yeah. of you that are listening or that are downloading this, that will be up on our website. So yes. don't worry about if you didn't get it written down. So we, we have that there. <laughs> um, but I do actually have a very similar question for you, Natasha. Um, what would, how would you define success for Heels with Heart? For Heels with Heart, we want to have that bridge for young women for, uh, into a fuller and more productive life uh, with pageant coaching, wardrobe help, makeup, walking, and... Just showing them that they can have that confidence when they walk on stage and they don't have to be shy. Just show who you are, your personality, because that's what they want to see. That's what shines through. Just getting that 
Have you ever have you ever experienced that moment where you help somebody and they had that light come on and you're like, yeah, I got this? Oh yeah, definitely. It's and it's an amazing feeling being I've had that feeling and then actually seeing someone have that feeling. It's like wow, I I did that. Like I helped them feel that, and for me, it was a great feeling. So I, I, it's great. I definitely um, can see that. So do you think that? Um, I guess. What has been the biggest learning experience in, in opening Heels with Heart? You know, opening Heels with Heart, it's there's been its ups and its downs, and we've just started. So it's it's coming along, and we haven't really done much, and we're trying to get our name out there and trying to go out, and we're starting with the pageant, and hopefully hope that uh, hope that it brings girls in, and we will – Every business has its learning curves, but we will get there, and I'm excited to see what. Well, if I know your mom and you <laughs> are very close to, like, the apple falling, it did fall from the tree, like I can say, you are going to make this just snowball into something that is going to be wonderful for the young women here in Arizona, and I can't wait to see Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess, how can the listeners reach you or Heels with, um, Heels with Heart? Uh, you can reach me on my social media, which is, it's either under Natasha Johnson or Tasha Johnson. With it, it's T-A-S-H-A, because that's my nickname. And then you can also contact me on my phone, which is 520-904-6326, which I'm assuming will be on your website. It will as well, yes. so for those of you scrambling. Yes. And if I don't answer right away, I will. I'm just always in the air flying with my job, but I will get to you as soon as I can. <laughs> which I'm sure we are going to. So I'm going to ask the same question for you, Casey. Um, how do you define success in your practice? Oh, uh, hmm. Uh, I would say, I would say it's that it, what we, what you talked about earlier when it's like you sort of walk away from the day and you feel like you, you maybe help somebody get, get some of their mobility back or, um, at least, if nothing else, you know, provide an ear to to help, you know, them work through their their issues, their disease, their uh, chronic pain, um, you know. But but optimally, I mean, it, it it'd be great if I could get everyone better, but I don't have a magic wand. <laughs> I thought you had that magic. Uh, you aren't know, those, aren't I, those the fingers that you were talking it, about oh, doing yeah. the manual? <laughs> no, she just has a magic heart. Oh. oh. She does. So, so I mean, truly, I mean, I, I feel pretty blessed to even be um, in in the position to be able to um, provide that ear for people and uh, be able to try and find um, a way back to uh, mobility and movement. And the more you move, the younger you stay. So, yeah, I firmly agree with that yeah. one. Yeah. So I just I I need to be wrapped in bubble wrap because no matter what happens, <laughs> I inj I can injure myself walking to the car. I'm not quite sure how I do it, but I have a big old bruise on my shin. Y'all can't see this right now, but from going to the house, the car, I got it. And I'm not sure how I got it, but I got it. <laughs> bubble wrap's an option for sure. <laughs> Gerbil ball or something. I'm not sure. I'm sure my husband would be like, let's just put you encased in something. So yeah. how can our listeners reach you? Uh, we do have a website and um, it is desert physiatry now nobody knows uh really how to spell you're physiatry. gonna have to spell that so it's uh desert not dessert um but desert <laughs> uh physiatry is p-h-y-s-i-a-t-r-y dot com 
So <laughs> desertphysiatry.com. And, okay, uh, and that will be on our website as right, well. Right. So for those of you that are going, how do I write this down? It's yeah. going to be there. So right. excellent. And do you have a phone number? Uh, seven nine five. Oh my gosh, is this horrible? I can't remember the phone number of the office. It's okay, don't worry about it because it's going to be on our website, which you provided <laughs> to me. We're all good. I just thought maybe we'd put it out there, but that's okay. So for those of you wanting to reach uh, Casey, feel free to go on to our website or contact her via phone. And Brian, last but not least, um, same question: What does success look like for you? Oh boy, well, uh, just continuing to to move forward and and. It, it, stay vibrant in the market. You know, you constantly got challenges with new, you know, like you said, you see restaurants come and go all the time. And then you have your national chains. You've got, uh, you know, you've always got daily competition that's moving in right down the street. You know, I've seen the geographic and, and um, uh, demographic changes just in the one area there at 22nd and Cole through the last 25 years. And it's yep. just, uh, it's just a matter of keeping up with it and, and trying to make sure that you're, you're keeping your name out there. So, you know, then one of the biggest challenges in that is, is you know, as Tucson has grown and, and um, just being able to market yourself. And, and uh, you know, I say there's great word of mouth, but, I mean, you've got different establishments just down the road. I mean, we've grown to word now. I think there's 20 different restaurants within a quarter mile of just my location. So you have to, you have to stay, you know, true yourself relevant. and still be able to be relevant. That is exactly. the great word, yes. So how can our listeners um, contact you or Chewy's Mesquite Broiler? Well, obviously they can contact us via our phone because, uh, you know, we take uh, to-go orders. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and we do caterings. And we're and just, you know, that's very important this time of year because we're walking into a season right now where, you know, people catering are looking for huge. things for their businesses or their families or what have you. And we do small to large caterings. I mean, I've done anywhere from, you know, five to ten people all the way up to 500 you know, so we can do a rather good-sized uh, We will be business. talking later for obviously, our client appreciation obviously. event. So got to have a little bit of great uh, uh, seasoned tri-tip or some mesquite broiled chicken or, or, Absolutely. Uh, or fish. So anyway, the phone number is 520-722-5117. Well, thank you so much, everybody. And um, this is absolutely all we have time for. I'm so bummed that I didn't get to talk to each and every one of you a little bit more. But I would like to thank you for coming on our show, Natasha, Casey, Brian, and Caitlin. Thank you for joining me here at Stuart Title Studios. We will have pictures and links of all of our guests up on the website as well as how to contact them. So please feel free to log in, download them, and check them out. Please tune in next month as we make more local connections happen here in Tucson. This is Connecting Tucson with Jamie Overturf, and keep the connections growing, people.